The NFL preseason now underway in the Chiefs' first preseason game will take place this Friday. A lot to be excited about. Chiefs football finally back. I'm Farzee Masugin here on the Chiefs Zone Podcast, your host of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Appreciate you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. Great to be back. Had a great time in Las Vegas. I had fun watching UFC 214 from Legacy Stadium. I, mean, I talked about this earlier. Uh, if you are ever in Vegas... And if you got a little bit of extra money to spend, it's kind of a pricey place. So just a heads up, but definitely go catch a sporting event in Legacy Stadium. Uh, I went there for a Chiefs preseason or uh, regular season game last October. I caught the Chiefs and Raiders game. They're a lot of fun to watch. Fun place to watch football. It's basically like Buffalo Wild Wings on steroids. They've got great seating. It really is hands down. It's got to be the best sports bar I have ever been to. So. Uh, I watched the Chiefs game there. I watched UFC 214 there, which was an amazing event. Uh, a lot of fun watching that. So, enjoyed that. Definitely worth going there one day. Uh, I know they raised the prices for events like a UFC event or Monday Night Football or, or a Super Bowl. I'm sure the prices are astronomically ridiculous for a Super Bowl event. So, uh, definitely worth checking out, though. I mean, if you want to catch a Royals game or uh, a Chiefs game, whatnot, a UFC event, whatever, whatever. Whatever interests your your peak, but go there. You've got to check it out. It's at the Palazzo in Las Vegas. A lot of fun to watch, so definitely go there. Check it out. Back here in Kansas City now. If you guys want to talk to me on social media, a couple of ways you can do that. You can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. And real quickly, I want to give a big shout-out to Morgan Gannon, who, of course, uh, you hear the, well, it's faded out now, but uh, his song, the uh, Chop It Up Chiefs theme, uh, which was used at Arrowhead for a while, and I believe they still use it. Uh, it, it varies from game to game. Uh, some games they'll use it, some games not. But uh, he's been very kind enough to let us use the uh, music on, uh, on on this podcast. Uh, had a very unfortunate matter for him. His mother was rushed to the hospital recently, uh, his mom is doing okay, though. Good spirits. And if I'm not mistaken, I saw a post on social media that his mom uh, and his father recently celebrated celebrated an anniversary. So good to see. Uh, but his mom uh, was definitely not doing well at some point. Uh, I reached out to him a little bit. I know a lot of people were reaching out to him, but I'll definitely make an effort to uh, try to reach out to him again. But uh, his mom is in good spirits. So definitely a big shout out to him and his family for that. Glad to hear that they are doing much better now, especially his mom. All right, let's get into it. The Chiefs training camp fully underway. Their first preseason game going to be this Friday night at Arrowhead Stadium against the San Francisco 49ers. That'll be an 8 o'clock game, 8 o'clock Central Time. For those who don't have KCTV5, which is where the game will be broadcast on, NFL Network will replay it now. Uh, I'm kind of seeing some uh, some conflict as to... If you go to, here's what I'm trying to say. If you go to NFL.com and if you look at their preseason schedule, it has the Steelers and the Giants playing at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which is 6 o'clock Central Time on NFL Network. Then it shows the 49ers and the Chiefs also playing on NFL Network two hours later. Generally, the NFL is supposed to provide a three-hour window for this. I went on NFL Network's website and checked their TV schedule, and it shows 10 o'clock Eastern time. So I think the NFL Network will air it. It's not going to be live. In fact, 
I think once they show kickoff on NFL Network, the Chiefs and 49ers will probably be in the fourth quarter uh, while the game is actually still happening. So definitely worth checking uh, your local TV guide and whatnot if you want to catch a preseason game. Again, I know not everyone lives in Kansas City, so some people uh, don't have a chance to catch the Chiefs during the preseason. I don't think uh, Sunday Ticket would work on this. I, I had Sunday Ticket for the first time last year. I was actually moving during the preseason, so I never got a chance to try Sunday Ticket during the preseason. But if I'm not mistaken, I don't think Sunday Ticket applies to the preseason, just the regular season, and it's just the um, the CBS and Fox games at noon and 3 o'clock and 3.25. So Definitely check it out. Uh, check your local listing. See when you'll be able to catch the Chiefs on NFL Network. They're certainly going to be playing uh, on NFL Network uh, just at a later time on Friday and obviously not going to be live. Some people like sp- to avoid spoilers even for an NFL game, but uh, do just a heads up. I remember someone messaged me uh, a while ago that if you watch a Chiefs preseason game, after it aired, on the bottom where you see ESPN and Fox Sports, NFL Network, they have that ticker where they show the scores for all these sporting events. They would show the Chiefs game, the final score to that game. So, for what it's worth, if you even care for that. But I uh, wanted to let you guys know, for those who don't live in Kansas City, that is the TV time that the Chiefs are being given on NFL Network. A lot to talk about on this podcast here on the Chiefs Zone. Of course, training camp fully underway now in St. Joe. Going to be talking about that. Who's been getting a lot of attention? Definitely we'll be talking about the quarterbacks a little bit. Uh, I've always had this... I've always had this mindset where you don't take training camp or the preseason that seriously. I'll give you some examples. I've just learned over the years, uh, unless someone's just having a horrific game, that the preseason and what's going on at training camp shouldn't be taken that seriously. I'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, later on in the podcast, definitely going to talk about Tyreek Hill. He's been getting a lot of love at training camp, and I think it's worth revisiting his numbers from 2016 and just what kind of an impact and what kind of a role he'll have for the Chiefs in 2017. Plus, the Chiefs released their first depth chart No major surprises, maybe a couple that you guys will be surprised about. I'll get into that later on. Uh, Here's what I want to do. This podcast, uh, second podcast in a row, I'm not going to be doing the segments that we do to wrap up the show where we go out of bounds, uh, go around the uh, the NFL, and then throw my penalty flags. I'm not going to do that this podcast. There are two things I want to talk about, though, uh, not Chiefs related. First one, kind of a controversial one. And I know some people do not want to hear about this, probably a lot of you, but I asked you guys to tune in for this and not skip this because I do have some things to say because so many people are up in arms about this and it's the Colin Kaepernick situation still unsigned. The Miami Dolphins got Jay Cutler to come out of retirement and agree to a one-year deal. Retired players are being asked over Colin Kaepernick. Now, for those who are aware with Miami, I mean, Colin Kaepernick going there would be a very controversial matter. Uh, it'd be controversial no matter where he went, but in Miami more so than other places. Uh, I'll get into this because look, people are talking, people are being bringing race into this and so many other things that I just think is completely irrelevant. I'll tell you why Colin Kaepernick is not being signed, not being picked up by any of the 32 NFL teams. I'll get into that later. 
Last thing I want to touch on before I wrap up the show uh, is about media, but more specifically sports media. If anyone listening, I know uh, there are a lot of young people who listen to the podcast, as well as some older folks who listen to the podcast as well. Uh, For those who are wanting to get into the journalism field or sports journalism field, I think this is something that you'll definitely want to listen to. If you know somebody, if you have a kid or just anyone who you know who wants to get into journalism, then this might be something that you, you it would be worth just suggesting to them to listen to this podcast. If they don't care so much about the Chiefs, look, I understand, but maybe you can let them know the timestamp and where they could listen to this. Sports media is changing a lot, and it affects all of us, whether you're interested and you want to be a, a sports journalist or if you consume it, which is all of us. I mean, you guys are listening to this podcast in a way you are consuming sports media, but sports media is changing a lot. And if you look at the layoffs with ESPN and Fox Sports and how we will be receiving our news, it's going to be very different moving forward. And I think in five, ten years, we're going to see a drastic change in how we receive news, especially in sports. And I'll get into that later on in the podcast. Start things off looking at training camp. At St. Joe, uh, I was on vacation last weekend, but still I followed some of the tweets and read a few articles regarding what's going on at training camp for the Kansas City Chiefs. Let me just say this with training camp, because I said this a moment ago, and I'll say it now. We've got to be very careful when we get excited over you know, someone's someone making a, a big catch or someone with a big play or someone who came up with three picks in one practice. Keep in mind that a lot of times, some of these guys, I mean, yeah, they're the, the the ones, the twos, the threes, uh, the starters, the backups, and then the third string guys. But look, they'll mix it up a little bit too. They'll have a, a, a backup cornerback go up against a starting wide receiver occasionally. They'll, they'll mix things up because they want to give that backup a chance to prove himself against a starting wideout and... The starting wideout's got to prove that he can definitely beat out a backup and own his number one spot on the on the depth chart. So I always have a hard time with training camp, OTAs, the preseason. It's funny. I've done a couple of podcasts. I've been on a couple of podcasts, and I've had people ask me, "Well, what do you think about Chiefs training camp? Who's looking great to you? Who's impressive?" I mean, I'll answer the question, but then I'll I'll also add in, look, it is just practice. This is not a live game. As long as players aren't doing bad in practice, I, I really don't know if there's much of a story to talk about and... Players should be doing good in practice. I mean, that, that that's what practice is about. It's trying to get better. And if if players are unable to improve and get better, if they're get, getting beat out constantly, if an offensive tackle continues to let a pass rusher slip by, if a wide receiver is dropping a lot of passes, if a quarterback can't make accurate throws, yeah, that's a story right there. The fact that it's happening during practice when we should be seeing improvement, that is an area where we have to look at that and, and put a question mark over and say, can we trust this guy moving forward? I'll say this. I remember Tyreek Hill in that final preseason game last year against the Packers. He dropped three passes in that game. And 
I looked at Tyreek Hill and I thought, man, what 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 purpose does he serve to our football team going into week one? Now, it took him a while to, to get the ball rolling, but of course, looking at Tyreek Hill, and I'll get into him later on, obviously a phenomenal 2016 rookie campaign for Tyreek Hill. Uh, if it wasn't for Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, hand, hands down, Tyreek Hill is your NFL Rookie of the Year from 2016. So, it is hard. I mean, look, uh, th- three drops in a preseason game, uh, that's that's definitely alarming. That's that's nothing to brush off and say, oh, it's okay, it's just the preseason. That is a concern. That, I mean, we're, we're, not, we're obviously not behind closed doors, but I'm just going to take a guess and say Tyreek Hill was on the bubble of possibly being cut. Uh, just because someone's a draft pick doesn't mean they're guaranteed a spot on the team. Let's not forget the Chiefs had drafted Kevin Hogan not too long ago, and they cut him right before the regular season. Kavari Russell was a third-round pick last year, and the Chiefs let him go. A lot of hype for him coming out of college and joining the Chiefs. So, uh, look, we'll talk about what's been going on at training camp, some of the top stories, uh, and We'll also say, for what it's worth, it is just practice. So uh, we'll keep that in mind. With that said, uh, the quarterbacks have been getting a lot of love at training camp, and more so the backups, Pat Mahomes and Tyler Bray. I know uh, in the first practice, first full practice, Pat Mahomes was successful in leading the Chiefs offense uh, on a two-minute drill, scoring a touchdown in just a little over a minute. So the way that he's been doing that, so far, so good. And again, we'll see how he does that in a live game, in a preseason game. Tyler Bray, I know, has been doing... I don't think I heard a lot about Tyler Bray necessarily in the two-minute offense, but he's been doing a lot in terms of connecting with receivers and not making a lot of mistakes. I know I, I, he did this in OTAs, and he's been able to carry that over to training camp. And it kind of makes you wonder if Tyler Bray, a guy who was very successful in Tennessee but went undrafted, now he... Listen... Players know that if a certain move is made in a draft, they know that it impacts them. So Tyler Bray, when he sees that the Chiefs trade seventeen or uh, 13 spots up to get Pat Mahomes, he knows that he's got to do something in practice and in preseason games to hold on to his spot. Otherwise, uh, look, it's 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 going to be hard for, for him to make a case and say that he belongs on this football team. So... Tyler Bray certainly wants to have a very successful preseason and prove that he deserves to be on this team, uh, that, that he deserves to keep his job moving forward with the Chiefs. We all know the story with Pat Mahomes. The numbers are there, 93 touchdowns, 29 picks, more than 11,000 passing yards through 32 games with Texas Tech. Now again, keep in mind, those are college football stats. Uh, A lot of times when you see these college football players in the eye-glowing sets that they have, there are a lot of college players that don't make it in the NFL. Very few college football players end up getting drafted and end up staying in the NFL because not a lot of them play in a system that's that that, that fits a pro football scheme, or especially the way they play. Pat Mahomes certainly fit the role of a pro football quarterback the way he played at Texas Tech. Now, at the same time, again, with those eye-raising numbers, you've got to keep in mind, he did go up against a lot of bad teams. And Texas Tech, there's a reason why their offense 
got a lot of love and some draft picks, and their defense didn't. I mean, their defense is the reason why Mahomes was unable to participate a lot in any postseason games. I mean, for example, he threw four touchdowns and one pick against the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, I mean, if you're a KU football fan, you would be shocked if anyone threw more picks than touchdowns on your own team. So uh, I would expect Pat Mahomes to have a very... As a matter of fact, uh, the quarterback rating he had, 180.8, that is the fourth highest he had. As In fact, out of all the Big 12 games last year, uh, in terms of just the rating, the KU game was his best game in 2016, his last year with Texas Tech. I guess Louisiana Tech, he had five touchdowns, no picks, a football team. By the way, Louisiana Tech scored 45 points in that game. That just shows you how bad uh, that Texas Tech defense really is, or was. Hopefully they'll improve this season moving forward for, for those who care about that. But point being, those are college numbers. We've got to be very careful when we talk about a player and what they did in college because those are just college statistics. What a player does in the NFL is completely different than what they do in college. There are a lot of great players in college who don't end up succeeding in the NFL. And on the other side of it, if you want to flip the coin, there are a lot of players such as Tom Brady didn't necessarily get a lot of Love in college, not a lot of attention, but ended up playing for a football team and looked at look what Tom Brady's been able to do. Matt Castle didn't play a snap at USC, ended up getting drafted by the Patriots still. Now, Matt Castle hasn't had a glorious pro football career. In fact, he's had the complete opposite, but he's had one Pro Bowl under his belt and did lead the Patriots to 11 wins the year he filled in for Tom Brady. So... What someone does in college could be completely different in terms of how they do in the NFL. Now, I think there are more optimists about Mahomes. And I think for me personally, why I'm more optimistic about him is because he's playing on for Andy Reid. And I, th- I think I've said this in the offseason. A lot of players who have played for Andy Reid here in Kansas City, they've had some of the best Seasons they've ever had in, in their careers. Jamal Charles had turned into a much better running back, a more complete running, a more explosive running back. Alex Smith had some of the best numbers he's ever put up in a single season. And in fact, a couple of times. And some of Alex Smith's statistics, his first couple of years, are better than Trent Green's in it than his first couple of years. So some of the numbers that players put up for Andy Reid, whether it was at Philadelphia or here in Kansas City, a lot of players do well when they play for a very smart and good head coach like Andy Reid. Now, of course, there are those critics, which is me. I'm one of them when it comes to his play calling. But still, at the end of the day, let's not forget, this Chiefs team won 12 football games, and it wasn't a very easy schedule. The AFC West was not a very easy one either. You were playing the reigning Super Bowl champs twice. You played a really good Raiders football team, which you swept the entire division. And the games in which the Chiefs came back in, certainly not easy as well. So the fact that they were were able to put together 12 wins, certainly very impressive. And again, it's no accident because you've got Andy Reid, who has been coaching in the NFL for a very long time for a reason. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's the third longest 
tenured head coach in the NFL. And there's a reason for that. If you want to look at all the coaches who were hired in 2013, there are only two who are still employed by their teams that were hired in 2013. Andy Reid's one of them. Bruce Arians for the Cardinals is the other. So I've got a lot of confidence in Pat Mahomes coming in. Uh, You know, what he was able to do in college, certainly you hope that he can carry that over in the NFL. A lot of people know about the uh, NCAA single-game records that he set with Texas Tech for passing yards with 734 and total offense with 819 against the the Sooners. But again, you you got to keep in mind uh that is uh, those are just college numbers and Oklahoma's deep, the Big 12 the Big 12 let me just say this. I was going to say Oklahoma, but generally the Big 12 overall they're not very good defensively. I remember covering KU uh for the UDK, the KU student newspaper in 2012, which was Charlie Weiss's first year in uh in Kansas. I remember there was one week where six of the 10 Big 12 teams scored 50 or more points. Some of them even scoring 50-plus in head-to-head games. So this is a conference in which it's not very difficult for a quarterback to go up there and put up good numbers. Hence why I actually thought the Big 12 was a great fit for Charlie Weiss because of his offensive mind in pro football. I thought he was able to he was going to be able to do it with the Kansas Jayhawks, at least make them competitive offensively, but eh, that's a completely different story. I, uh, of course, if you're a KCN or MU fan, you love that. You want to hear more of that. Uh, KU fans, not so much. But overall, I think with everything that Pat Mahomes did in college, certainly good numbers. And again, you want to see more positivity than negative negativity. Sure, those those were numbers against college teams, against the Big 12, for crying out loud. But... The way that he still did it, why weren't other quarterbacks able to do it? I think that's another thing to keep in mind. I know a lot of people uh, oftentimes talk about if uh, Demetrius Johnson, I'm a UFC guy, so I'll use this as, as an example. Demetrius Johnson is the flyweight champion, which is 125 pounds for those not familiar with MMA. The flyweight division is not a very competitive division in mixed martial arts. Demetrius Johnson recently broke Anderson Silva's record for most title defenses in UFC history and most consecutive title defenses. A lot of people are saying it's not impressive because Anderson Silva was in a competitive division in the 185-pound division, whereas Demetrius Johnson was at a very lackluster division. Okay, sure, but if that's the case, why why couldn't another fighter win 10 consecutive title matches in the flyweight division? Demetrius Johnson was able to do it. Patrick Mahomes, sure, yes, it's it's the Big 12 and the defenses aren't great, but on the other side of it, why weren't all the other quarterbacks able to put up 93 touchdowns and 29 picks in a three-year span? So those are certainly very high numbers. Uh, if he was in the SEC, would we see different numbers? Possibly, but at the end of the day, a lot of there there's a reason why that we have general managers in the NFL. We have pro scouts. I mean, all kinds of player personnel positions. And a lot of people looked at Pat Mahomes and they felt like there was a reason that he should be going in the first. All of them thought he should go in the first round. And so the Chiefs were the team that decided to trade up and take him with the 10th pick overall. So listen, what am I looking for in the preseason? I feel like when it comes to off-season practices and the preseason, and I know I sound like a broken record saying this, I don't get too excited for flashy moves, except 
for the quarterback position. And I think this this preseason is a very important one for the Chiefs because you traded up 13 spots in the first round to pay a guy millions of dollars who's supposedly going to ride the bench for one, some people think, two years. Now look, I know Alex Smith is making a lot of money, but part I've always suggested parting ways with him, but I just know that's not going to happen. So at the end of the day, Tyler Bray is looking to make an impact. He wants to he wants to make a splash. He wants to prove that he deserves to stay on this football team. Pat Mahomes, of course, was drafted in the first round, so you kind of make you kind of wonder what's his role going to be in the next couple of years, and how much is he going to play? Now, if he comes in when the Chiefs are losing, what? 45 to 10, just I'm just throwing a, a, a score out there. If Pat Mahomes comes in and puts up two, uh, two touchdowns, I'm not going to go crazy over it because those, those are garbage time stats. Nothing impressive. And look, I know a lot of people talk about how stats are important in the NFL, and sure, I agree, but look, uh, former coaches and former players have come out saying this. Current Coaches and players will never admit to this. But if if the score is pretty... If a game is decided in the fourth quarter with five minutes to go, I mean, if it's a three or four possession game, defenses always go soft. And you saw that in week one when the Chargers pretty much checked out. They kept going in the, in the prevent defense. They did it too early, and that allowed the Chiefs to come back in that football game. So, look, look, you do the prevent defense, you do the chill, you don't play so hard, don't give 100% because you want to avoid injury too. Uh, you Coaches are smart enough to know when to do it. Mike McCoy didn't know when to do it. That's why he's no longer the head coach there in San Diego and he's back to his offensive coordinator role in Denver. So, for, for Kansas City, when you look at what Pat Mahomes' role is going to be, Again, I don't want to see this guy coming during garbage time. And I know the only time where he, he'll likely come in is if Alex Smith gets injured. And look, not that I, I ever want to root for injury at all. I just want to see Pat Mahomes come in during a competitive game at some point. And again, I understand that the only time that could happen is if Alex Smith either A, gets injured, which... He hasn't really suffered a whole lot of injuries throughout his career. I know last year he had the concussion, and that affected him for a little bit. But other than that, we haven't seen Alex Smith get sidelined a whole lot. There was that Week 17 game where he had the uh, appendectomy, and so that was in 2014. So Chase Daniel filled in against the Chargers and led the Chiefs to a win, but could not get into the playoffs. was not enough to get in that year. Other than that, he's been healthy. So the only other instance is if Alex Smith does something gets in trouble and gets suspended right away by the Chiefs or the league from it so that is also unlikely because Alex Smith has never really gotten in trouble in his career ever so here's the thing I really want to know what Pat Mahomes is about in the preseason yeah sure we'll see it but keep in mind Mahomes is going to be going up against other backups and even if he does go up against a starting unit sure it'd be nice to see him do well but even then, coaches are testing a lot of things in the preseason to see if they work or not. If a defense comes up with some sort of scheme and if Pat Mahomes 
is able to score on a four four play drive real quickly. Guess what? Coaches are going to throw that playbook away and put something else in instead. So there are times where you and I remember I, I remember someone messaged me about this a long time ago where where the Chiefs were playing the Vikings. And of course, this was back when the Vikings were very competitive. They reached the AFC title ga- or NFC title game that year against the Saints. In the preseason, uh, the Chiefs, if I'm not mistaken, took a 10-0 lead. And I had a couple of people messaging me saying, we're dominating a really good football. I'm saying, look, it's just, pre- first of all, they were missing a couple of players. Jared Allen was not playing at the time. One of the Williams uh, guys on the defensive line was also inactive. So it's not like they were playing the best of Minnesota at the time. So to me, when I look at everything in the preseason, I might go a little too much with the quarterback situation because this is a very important year for the Chiefs in terms of the quarterback position. But I also have to keep myself in check and remind myself it is a preseason. What if that was just a defense that was testing something brand new and it just didn't work out for them and they decide that they're never going to go back to that ever again? That's what I'm having conflict with when I look at the quarterback situation for the Chiefs and just how they'll end up doing in the preseason. So all we can do is really just watch and see what's going to happen. I think now would be a good time for me to look at the Chiefs depth chart and read that to you guys real quickly. The Chiefs released their depth chart on Sunday and again, no no surprises at all. Looking at the starting quarterback, Alex Smith, again, no shocker there. Spencer Ware at running back, Anthony Sherman at fullback. Your starting wide receivers to start off, Chris Conley and Tyree Kill. Again, that's no surprise. Travis Kelsey at tight end, no surprise. Offensive lineman, uh, Mitch Morse in the middle, and then you have Eric Fisher. He is at left tackle. I'll get to left guard in a moment because that's kind of a surprise. Mitch Morse at center, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif at right guard. And Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. So, no surprise there. The only surprise is Brian Witzman, who is, for now, the left guard on the team. He is a third-year guy out of South Dakota State, born in uh, Holton, Wisconsin. Didn't play a single, or didn't start a single game for the Chiefs last year. Did play in 11, though. So, not a lot of experience in his career. He's ahead of Zach Fulton right now. As far as other key backups on this offensive line, Ja Reed is a guy who's also uh, a backup behind Mitchell Schwartz. He still gets a lot of playing time, though. Demetrius Harris and Gavin Escobar in that order behind Travis Kelsey. As far as wide receivers, second-string receivers, you've got Albert Wilson and DeAnthony Thomas. Then you have Demarcus Robinson, who's been on the team for a very long time, also with Shontavious Jones. Then you got a lot of other guys on the list. Uh, Jehu Chesson, Tony Stevens, Marcus Kemp, Tevin Jones, and Robert Wheelwright. Defensively speaking, I think a couple of interesting points here. Uh, defensive line, Chris Jones, Benny Logan, and Alan Bailey. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm too surprised there. Benny Logan, a newcomer, but probably the best person uh, right in the middle of that defensive line. Outside linebackers, this might surprise some of you guys. Justin Houston and D Ford. Uh, Tom Bahali, I know the, there was a drama recently, so his role is still up in the air. Uh, and I think that would still be the case, even without the tweets and the Facebook Live video that he did uh, a couple of weeks ago. But 
I think a lot of people still thought that Tambo would still be ahead of D Ford at the same time, given, and look, I said this last podcast, even though D Ford was only dominant for the first half of the season and did very little in the second half, it was still more than Tamba Holly all of 2016. So I think D Ford has certainly earned his spot and proved to the to a lot of people as to why he was drafted in the first round. So hopefully D Ford can keep that up moving forward, especially if Justin Houston, he signed a long-term deal if he can stay healthy, and if D Ford re-signs and stays in Kansas City for a couple of more years, this could be a, a, a dominant pass rushing duo similar to Holly and Jared Allen, as well as Holly and Justin Houston from 2013 and 2014. So hopefully that trend of really good pass rushing duos in Kansas City can continue with Houston and D Ford. But Holly currently a backup. Frank Zombo also behind Justin Houston. Inside linebacker starting. Derek Johnson and Ramik Wilson. Josh Maga coming back from injury. Didn't get to play last year. I was very impressed with Josh Maga in 2015 and 2014. Not necessarily with his coverage, but his ability and his speed closing in on ball carriers, especially against the run. Josh Maga did not let a lot of guys slip through and get away. Didn't let a lot of ball carriers break tackles so as soon as he got a hand on someone he was able to bring him down on his own of course anytime he gets help it's even better for a defense so Josh Maga kind of surprised that he's behind Ramick Wilson and keep in mind Wilson did have a fairly good 2016 season filling in for Maga last year so I think he deserves some credit as well at the end of the day I think both inside linebackers are going to be used a lot throughout the 2017 season as it goes on Secondary, Marcus Peters and Steven Nelson, your cornerbacks. Marcus Peters, of course, not a surprise. A lot of people, uh, some NFL preview magazines that I've read have rated Marcus Peters as the number one cornerback in the NFL. As far as the number two cornerback, this is going to be interesting because they let go of Kavari Russell last year. Terrence Mitchell came in late last year and made a big impact. Steven Nelson, I thought, was a fantastic slot corner, probably the best in the NFL. But he also shined against some... Top wide receivers in the NFL. So I think he deserves an opportunity to start as a cornerback. Philip Gaines is a guy who's been on the team for a couple of years. Drafted in the third round. And a guy who's still been on the roster for quite some time. And I think a lot of... You're going to see some competition. I think between Gaines, Mitchell, and Nelson. That's another area that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on in preseason games. uh, and, And see who's going to have the better preseason. And who I who could end up being the number one guy going into week one when the Chiefs open up the season at Foxborough against the Patriots. And again, I'll say this too because I don't think you can ever have enough cornerbacks, especially with how much the NFL's changed the past five, six years and how much it's turned into a pass-heavy league, a, a, a pass-first league, essentially. Uh, so uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see those three in the preseason this year. And then at uh, the safety positions, Ron Parker, Eric Berry. Again, no shocker there as far as special teams goes. Not a shocker to anybody. You've got your punter, Dustin Colquitt, kickers. And for kickoff, uh, you've got Cairo Santos, James Winchester, your long snapper. Colquitt will be holding. And as far as return guys go, uh, for pun returner, in order, they've got Tyree Kill, DeAnthony Thomas, Albert Wilson, and Demarcus Robinson. For kick returners, they've got DeAnthony Thomas, Tyree Kill, Chris Conley, and Kareem Hunt. And I didn't mention this for the offense, but Kareem Hunt, 
as far as the offense goes, uh, Charkandrick West is number two. That is definitely worth mentioning. And then uh, behind uh, Charkandrick West, Kareem Hunt, and C.J. Spiller. For quarterbacks, Alex Smith, Tyler Bray, number two. Pat Mahomes is three. And Joel Stave is the fourth quarterback on the team for now. All right, speaking of Tyreek Hill, let's get into him because he's also gotten a lot of attention at training camp so far this year. And I just think his role is going to be very important for the Chiefs moving forward because of the Jeremy Macklin release and his impact that he had last year. What does that mean for him in 2017? I said I want to revisit his numbers from 2016 uh, because I think it, it's going to matter. Plus, hey, th- these are great numbers, so why not? Let's let's revisit them while we're at it. Uh, 61 catches for 593 yards, 6 touchdowns. 24 rushes, 267 yards, 3 touchdowns. And on special teams, 39 kick returns for 592 yards and a pair of touchdowns, plus 14 punt returns for 384 yards and a touchdown. That 95-yard punt return touchdown allowed him to go over the 300-yard mark and almost got to 400 yards. So altogether, 138 total touches, 1,836 all-purpose yards, and 12 total touchdowns. Those 1,836 all-purpose yards, fourth most in the NFL in 2016. If you want to know who was ahead of him, number one, David Johnson of the Cardinals, Ezekiel Elliott for the Cowboys, and then Le'Veon Bell, for the Steelers, and then Hill follows up right behind him. Tyreek Hill, by the way, 11th in the NFL in total touchdowns. Now, keep in mind one thing. Tyreek Hill's surge and dominance didn't really occur until... I want to say it was... Really just midway through the season. It was it was November, December where Tyreek Hill really turned it up and, I mean, he he gashed through for big rushing touchdowns against the Titans and the Broncos. I remember that Titans game uh, didn't end well, but Hill, on the second offensive snap of the game, he took a, a handoff from Allen Smith and shotgun and runs to his left and goes all the way for a touchdown. Great blocking and great speed, of course, displayed by Tyreek Hill right there, and you just, you just wonder, I mean, is he going to be able to do more of that? And what is his role going to be? With Jeremy Macklin let go, and Chris Conley, he just hasn't really lived up to the hype yet. Tyreek Hill has a great chance to be the team's number one wide receiver on the team. And it's maybe not ideal because for someone his size and for someone who can do a little bit of everything, he can catch, he can run, he can take kick returns back. He can take punt returns back. He was the best special teams returner in 2016. He can excel in all of those areas. I mean, if if this guy was a, a starting wide receiver, he could be voted into the Pro Bowl as a wide receiver. Same thing as a running back and same thing as a return man. He ended up getting voted in as a return man. Uh, but of course, even those who are playing on, on special teams, they also end up playing in the Pro Bowl on offense. So not that it means so much, but still, uh, just the the duties that he's been given and the fact that he's able to excel in all of these areas, I think this is what the Chiefs wanted out of Dexter McCluster, who was taken in 2010. I think he showed signs of that in the only year he played under Andy Reid in 2013, but we just didn't get to, get, get to see much of that. 
Uh, and let's not forget DeAnthony Thomas, who's still on the team, so he still has a chance. But I think they were expecting him to be able to do some of this as well for the Chiefs. But he hasn't been able to so far. The Chiefs have, for, for a while now, the Chiefs have been looking for a Darren Sproles type of guy. And I think we use that name because he's from Olathe. He went to Kansas State. This is a guy who was able to do a little bit of everything on offense and on special teams. And I, I still remember that game the Chargers had against the Colts in the playoffs where Darren Sproles lit up the Indianapolis Colts and carried the Chargers to a stunning overtime win uh, over the Colts. And it, look, I understand it was a, the Chargers, but being the a Casey guy, I was definitely pulling for the Chargers only because of Darren Sproles. I'll always root for the local guys, and it's unfortunate because some of my favorite local guys or KU guys are playing on... Um, <laughs> they're playing on uh, other AFC West teams. For example, uh, Akeem Talib and Chris Harris, both on the Denver Broncos. Uh, I know um, Shane Ray. Shane Ray. I almost forgot, forgot his name. Uh, I know he was. Uh, he's from Kansas City and went to Mizzou. So a lot of people, big Shane Ray fans. And then uh, another defensive back, uh, Darrell Stuckey, was with San Diego for a while and, and had a Pro Bowl appearance. At one point, so there have been a lot of really good local guys who, unfortunately, have been playing against the Chiefs twice a year. But uh, yeah, of course. I mean, if there if there's if there are local guys even on divisional teams, uh, I'll, I'll pull for them. Uh, but gosh, I mean, what the Chiefs really have in Tyree Kill, very special guy. The only concern is staying healthy. And not that it's been an issue with him, but hey, look, injuries can happen to anyone at any time, at any second. So, to me, when you look at Tyreek Hill and the role that he'll have with this football team, if he's the number one receiver, then how much of the duties do you take away from him on on special teams and as a running back? Because you still want to, I mean, he's able to do those things. Lining up in the backfield. But what happens when... And that's not to say the Chiefs can still get crazy with their formations and, and have a different number one wide out. Maybe have Chris Conley and Albert Wilson line up and have Tyree Kill in the backfield in that part of that pistol offense, that, that formation. So I'm not saying that's not an option, but when you have someone listed as your number one wide receiver, your number one guy, you don't want it to be too much. I said this last year, I know it was mentioned on a couple of broadcasts as well in Chiefs games. You just don't want him to be doing too much to the point where he could get hurt and all of a sudden you lose your offensive, what you lose, arguably your best football player. If you look at Jamal Charles in 2009 when he filled in for Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles was also doing kick, kickoff return duties. And he, uh, as you guys remember, in 2009, one of the bright spots that year that the Chiefs defeated the reigning Super Bowl champions and the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Jamal Charles got things started off with a kick return touchdown at the very opening moment of the game. And of course, he had touchdowns on the ground and through the air to help the Chiefs pull off the upset in overtime. But listen, there's a Jamal Charles was just so great as a running back that you could not have him be the primary return guy. You you had to let someone else handle those duties. And, of course, they drafted Dexter McCluster and Javier Arenas for that because they wanted Jamal Charles to focus on 
on offense, which of course is a smart move. Now there are guys like Antonio Brown who handle both punt return duties and is the number one wide receiver on a football team. And occasionally they'll have him take a handoff on a trick play and whatnot. So you can still do those things with Tyreek Hill. And I think Tyreek Hill, the role that he could have, could be very similar to what Antonio Brown does with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, just look at the look at the numbers. He scored a touchdown in five of the last six games of the regular season. Only game he didn't do that was the Atlanta game. With Jeremy Macklin gone, again, Chris Conley, great combine, but that was that was years ago, and he hasn't been able to live up to that hype. So Tyreek Hill really does have a great chance to be the team's number one wide receiver, maybe the only viable candidate to be your number one wide receiver. So I'm not really, I'm not really sure exactly what, what else the Chiefs could do unless an injury occurs going into that opening game in Foxborough. Let me know what you guys think. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vasuki, and that's my Facebook page. Give it a like. You guys can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. A couple of topics I want to touch uh, touch on. Uh, and again, reminder, we're not going to be doing the around the NFL, out-of-bounds, and penalty flag segments uh, more because I want to focus on these two topics primarily. Uh, I want to talk about sports media in just a moment, which I think is an important topic that everyone should should listen to. But I do want to spend a couple of minutes on Colin Kaepernick because a lot of people, a lot of people are outraged that he has not been signed by an NFL team yet. And a lot of people really are annoyed to the fact that he's been talked about all the time. And as we inch closer and closer to opening day, more people are just shocked as to why he's not being taken. The Miami Dolphins lost Ryan Tannehill and they reached out to a retired quarterback in Jay Cutler. And they agreed they agreed to a one-year deal in which Jay Cutler is now with the Miami Dolphins. Jay Cutler over Colin Kaepernick. Yes, that's crazy. Now I do want to say this because I really don't want to get too political on here. You guys know me. I, I try to avoid that as much as possible. I only touch on those topics if if they really do cross over with sports and if they really need to be discussed. What he did, kneeling for the national anthem, it does not even come close to what Tyreek Hill did or what Mike Vick did. And again, we just had this topic because a lot of fans were outraged that Mike Vick was brought into Kansas City as a coaching intern, as a freaking intern. By the way, all those angry people who said that they're going to boycott Chiefs games and not watch Chiefs, there are a lot of people who've been going out to Chiefs training camp. So I don't think uh, those people really matter a whole hell of a lot. But again, I, I digress. Going back on topic with Kaepernick, look, what he did is nowhere even close to what other guys have done in the NFL. And again, Tyree Kill and Mike Vick are just... Good examples and, and make make sense to use those guys since they're both with the Chiefs now. However, in this country, I think there, there's a sensitivity deal with the American flag. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, look, I, I get offended too if, if someone wants to 
disrespect the flag. I mean, you want to kneel down when the national anthem is being played when they pull out that big flag in the middle of the football field? Uh, here's my issue. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. He's Colin Kaepernick. He is a guy who went to a Super Bowl when he replaced Alex Smith midway through a season. He has a big platform. He could have gone about this a different I applaud him for trying to try to trying to make a change. Because we do need that with the police brutality, which was what he was going after. But not that way. That is not how you go about it. And shockingly, there are I mean, it turned into a trend. And I, I saw a video of a college basketball coach bringing in soldiers and teaching his basketball players what to do during a national anthem. And surprisingly, there were soldiers who were fully supportive of what Kaepernick did. Look, I'm friends I'm friends with a couple of people on Facebook who have voiced their opinions on this and aren't very pleased with, uh, with Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem. I mean, look, big thanks to our men and women. I, I don't, I don't say this a lot on here. Uh, but I mean, I think it's a, an appropriate time to say big thanks to the people who really do sacrifice a lot, uh, for our country. One of my favorite things, uh, when I go to sporting events is seeing these people get honored. Uh, I remember there was a guy at Coffin Stadium. I think I mentioned this, who, uh, who received a free car, a Chevy Malibu, from a local Chevrolet dealership, which I think things like that need to happen more often for soldiers. They really do. And things that soldiers go through in their lives and with PTSD and how their mind not settled, it's a tough deal. There aren't many people who can do what they do. I mean, it's a tough task, and they do a lot for us. I mean, a lot of people are volunteering to be in there just so there isn't a draft. Again, I don't want to get too political with this, but you guys get the idea. Now, why aren't people taking Colin Kaepernick, a guy who threw, what, 16 touchdowns, four picks? Which, let's keep in mind, his win-loss record isn't a very pretty one. But, unlike Tyreek Hill, who he realized he effed up when... Tyreek Hill got in trouble, and when everyone knew about it, and look, we're in 2017. People don't hide from criticism. Everyone hears about it. And now, with with everything Tyreek Hill's been able to do, the Chiefs have talked about that they have had conversation with Tyreek Hill, and they have told him what he needs to do if he wants to stay on this football team. The Chiefs have said this publicly, that Tyreek Hill has done what they have asked him to do. He has not gotten in trouble since then. And of course, he's he, he has a lot of remorse for what he's done. And his girl, his girlfriend at the time, his now wife, has, has forgiven him. And of course, they're married now. So fortunately, they were able to move on. And hopefully, things like, like, things like that don't happen again. With Colin Kaepernick, he kneeled during the national anthem. And look... There, were, there was a media circus for his preseason press conference. So he knew already that this was getting a lot of attention and for, for bad reasons. But he still did it. He still continued doing what he did. And not only that, the Instagram post he had earlier this offseason, he, uh, uh, during a practice, cameras took a close-up of his socks. He wore socks of... 
pigs pictured throughout the sock with a police officer uniform on. This is a guy who had no remorse for what he did. This is why he's not being picked up by an NFL team. There is a reason why the 49ers did not retain him. There is a reason why the 31 other NFL teams, 31 other NFL teams are passing on him. The Seahawks brought him in for a test. Pete Carroll, who is arguably one of the best coaches in football, college and pro. There's a reason why Pete Carroll passed on him. There's a reason why Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, guys who have been coaching for a very long time. Andy Reid's a guy who who has given so many players second chances. Tyreek Hill, Michael Vick, Marcus Peters. And again, what Marcus Peters did nowhere near or close to what others have done. But still, that's a second chance that's being given to you that not many others were willing to give. Andy Reid saying no thank you to Colin Kaepernick. There's a reason why people are passing on him. They don't want him. And there were police officers in San Francisco who were not very pleased that they had to go out there and police the 49ers events when he's essentially disrespecting police officers with the pig saw. And look. People want to talk about police brutality and and bad police officers out there. We focus so much on the negativity. I I really do think we do. I've interviewed a lot of police officers. I've come across a lot of good police officers. There are police officers who have... Yes, a couple of them. I, I came across one at one point. I was asking him a simple question about the traffic at my workplace. And for some reason, he got angry about it. And I just walked away from the situation. There are a couple of those out there. There are a lot of great teachers in schools, but there are also a couple of really bad teachers out there. I mean, let's look at sports fans. If I walk into if I walk into a sports bar and if I see a drunk, rude Broncos fan, does that represent all of Denver Broncos fans? No, absolutely not. There are not, I mean, listen, in our media, and I understand this, we don't hear about, we don't hear so much about police officers who do a good deed because that's their job. Or we don't hear a lot about uh, NFL players and the charity work they do because they have millions of dollars. They should be able to do it. But when we hear something negative, we we, we get upset about it and we, we talk about it as if that one person represents everyone else in in their industry I don't think that's true and I think it's unfortunate because in a there were surveys done that say that NFL ratings have gone down because of Colin Kaepernick taking a knee for the national anthem ratings went down supposedly because of Colin Kaepernick taking a, a knee and there was a lot of talk about NFL ratings declining last year Listen, the NFL, even though it's a sport, it is also a business. There was a reason why the Chiefs took Tyreek Hill. They knew that fans were going to be outraged by this. But look, we've embraced him. We love him. I I just said on the podcast, I think he is your best player on the team. Maybe best offensive player. A lot of people would say Eric Bear or Marcus Peters. Fair enough. That's up for debate, but another time. There's a reason why the Chiefs took Tyreek Hill. There is a reason why Colin Kaepernick is still on the sidelines, and Jay Cutler, a retired quarterback who got a broadcasting job, who has a personality of a tomato, ended up being taken 
by the Miami Dolphins. It was signed by the Miami Dolphins. Listen, people are talking about how these 32 NFL owners are white racist people. No, absolutely. Now it's getting to the point where people are trying to really make a story out of out of nothing. There are people who have given Mike Vick a chance. And I don't, I'm not familiar with the ownership in Philadelphia, but of course Philadelphia gave him a chance. And Clark Hunt, I'm sure this was talked about for sure, but Clark Hunt uh, certainly unapproved of it. Man, he's the owner. If he doesn't approve of it, he can certainly put his foot down and, and say he's not allowed to be on the team as a coaching intern. So listen, for people who want to say this is a race issue... I think that's completely false. I mean, we have a lot of African-American players in the league. So uh, for people to say it's a race issue, uh, no, it's certainly not. It is, first of all, he continued doing what he did. Players like Tyreek Hill who committed assault, he did it once, felt bad about it, and didn't do it again. Colin Kaepernick continued to do his into Now, again, the... 16 regular season games plus the four preseason games, those 10 times where he took a knee for the national anthem are far worse than Tyree Kill's one instance. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shy from that, but at the end of the day, as I said, the NFL is a business, and when ratings are going down because of Kaepernick, even though he had a high jersey sales, NFL owners want people to be watching their games. They want that. And I don't think they want people disrespecting all the military people who come into the stadium who are honored before, during, or after games. And you have a a quarterback who once took a team to a Super Bowl kneeling during the national anthem in front of the big American flag. I don't think NFL owners want that. I asked on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian, and I asked the question, I said, hypothetically speaking, because I know the Chiefs are not in need of a quarterback, but hypothetically speaking, how would you feel if Colin Kaepernick joined the Chiefs? Would you, would you be open to the idea or are you against it? Now, to the two dumb bones who said the Chiefs don't need a quarterback, yes, I understand. That is why in the post I said hypothetically speaking. So with the exception of those two guys, we had a lot of crazy responses here. A lot of people said no. Some people said yes and compared it to what Tyree Kill did, which is fair, certainly. Uh, for those who say yes and are shocked that he still doesn't have a job, I think I've provided valid reasons as to why he's not being picked up by an NFL team. And here's the thing. I know a lot of people said that he might get picked up if a quarterback suffers an injury during a season. Well, I know it's preseason still, but Tannehill suffered an injury and the Dolphins went after a retired player. Now that I saw, I actually thought that Kaepernick was going to get picked up by a team that loses a quarterback to an injury, or if they have multiple quarterbacks that get injured. But that—that's I—I—I'm I, wrong there. I, I just know it's not going to happen. There's a reason why teams are passing up on him, and I think we really need to come to the conclusion that look, something can be done about. 
what Colin Kaepernick's fighting for, but in a completely different way. And by the way, and I don't want to get too too much into this. If Colin Kaepernick did go to Miami with him being a fan of Fidel Castro, uh, I mean, whew, Florida would not have been the place there. Uh, there would have been a lot of backlash. If you thought there was backlash in Kansas City for Mike Vick being hired as a coaching intern, imagine the backlash Miami would have. It would have been 10 times bigger. Uh, so there was just no way they could really do that. But still, even then, teams that have the worst QB situations, uh, who's got the worst quarterback situation in the NFL right now? The Cleveland Browns have... They have uh, Brock Osweiler and Cody Kessler as their quarterbacks. And they also drafted Deshaun Kaiser. Oh, by the way, they have Kevin Hogan on the team. I mean, you look at a lot of NFL teams. The, the Jets. The Jets need a quarterback desperately. The Bills. I mean, they've had Tyra Taylor and really nobody else after that. The LA Rams, their best quarterback is Jared Goff. And, oh boy, uh, he did not get off to a great start when his rookie year with the Rams. So, uh, people want to make the, if, if people would want to make a counterpoint about the Fidel Castro and South Florida thing. Okay. So it's a controversial issue in South Florida. What about places like New York or Cleveland or Buffalo? Well, or, or LA. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I think Colin Kaepernick would be an upgrade over any of those quarterbacks, uh, on those teams. And again, there's a reason why those teams are not t- taking him. It's 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 not like this is this is a biased issue here, people. Uh, Thirty-two NFL teams. That's a large sample size. If a guy asks out thirty-two women and all of those women say no. There might be a reason for that. There might be a reason why that guy's not able to go out with a lady. If 32 NFL teams are saying no to Colin Kaepernick, then all 32... Let me say one more thing. NFL teams, general managers, owners, scouts, they tend to know more than we do, believe it or not. They know a lot of things that even we don't know. I mean, there might be a player who has been arrested that we just don't know about. At the end of the day, there's probably something else to this that NFL teams know that we don't. So please, if I ask you anything, understand that there's a reason why 32 teams are passing up on him. It's no accident, folks. All right, final topic of the show before I sign off here on the Chiefs Zone podcast. Uh, this is uh, a topic that I, I enjoy talking about. I think it's a fascinating topic to get into, and I think we are all affected by this because we are all consuming media. I mean, every day we are reading the news, and the way that we get the news now, it's it's completely changed. I mean, the I think what's so interesting about Twitter is... How breaking news starts on there, then it's written about for uh, articles online which get printed into the newspaper. And by the time you pick up a paper, just about every story you hear about, you you already know about it. You just read the paper, if anyone still does it, which there are still people who do. Uh, they read it because, because of the details. They read it for that. Uh, 
So, as a lot of you guys know, earlier this summer, in the early parts of the summer, ESPN laid off a lot of employees. They had one set of cuts, and then I think a couple of weeks later, there was another set of layoffs. A lot of people let go. A lot of people from talent in front of the camera, behind the microphone, on-air people, to guys in production, such as directors, producers, writers, uh, guys who help set up the the talent folks, guys who uh, make the show happen. So a lot of people were let go. Fox Sports, uh, about a month afterwards, got some attention after Fox Sports laid off a lot of its writers for FoxSports.com. And a lot of people were shocked by this because I, in a world, and I certainly was too, because in a world where People talk about newspapers dying and that blogs and, and websites are getting more and more of the attention. I remember remember Blair Kirkhoff, who is a, a writer for the Kansas City Star, does writes about everything, really. He came in and spoke to uh, my uh, one of my college classes at KU. And he talked about how... He, he actually talked about how the newspaper crew he worked with in 2008 was a lot smaller than what he had in 20... What year was it? 2012. I'm trying to think of the year KU went to the champ. The reason those two years are, are, are relevant, 2008 was when KU went to the Final Four and won the national title. 2012, KU played in the national title, fell short to Kentucky. And crazy enough, in that short of a time span... He talked about how the Kansas City Star has seen so many changes and a much smaller crew was sent to the Final Four. I don't remember where the Final Four was uh, in 2012 when KU played, but a much smaller group of people went in 2012 because they had let go a lot of people. There have been a lot of people who have been laid off over the years. And I, I heard recently um, the Kansas City Star did lay off uh, some people. Uh, earlier this year. And by the way, when I, when I talk about this subject, uh, for those who are listening and want to get into media, whether it's news, sports, entertainment, whatever the case may be, this, by all means, is in no way an attempt to discourage you and for trying to force you to rethink what you want to do for a career. But I do want to let you know that I think that the way that media is changing, and I'll get into it more and more in just a minute, there are going to be less jobs available for people in this industry. For example, Fox Sports, they let go almost their entire writing staff. And I loved visiting FoxSports.com because I always thought that it was a better alternative to ESPN. I love ESPN too. Don't get me wrong. I, I know a lot of people criticize ESPN and all these national media outlets, but Fox Sports has always been that nice alternative, especially when FS1 came out. Uh, and, and there are so many different Fox Sports branches. Of course, we have Fox Sports K- Kansas City where they have the Royals game, and when the Royals aren't on, if you have uh, uh, a different cable, I know you can't do this with DirecTV, but Fox Sports Kansas City airs a lot of different Fox programs, such as the UFC Monster Jam, all these other things that you would not ever see on ESPN. 
But when you go on FoxSports.com now, it is all video. They have completely changed the dynamic of their website. They had a lot of writers for FoxSports.com. And now, instead of writing articles, they only show highlights. And in the middle of those highlights, they'll have text that pops up in the middle of the screen. If you have a Facebook, and I'm sure you guys have seen this, but there are a lot of videos. I'm seeing CNN do it. Now, uh, Fox Sports has been doing it a lot. Um, A lot of media outlets have been doing this. If you go on a Facebook video, and they'll show... I'll I'll just use... I'll Okay, let's just use the Jay Cutler thing as an example. They'll show video of the Ryan Tannehill injury... And during the play, there are words that'll pop up in the screen. There's a a short paragraph that explains what happened. He suffered an injury. The Miami Dolphins reach out to Jay Cutler. Then they show a picture of Jay Cutler. Maybe they show highlights of his time in Chicago. Then they show a text saying the Dolphins reach out to Jay Cutler. They basically give you the highlights. They don't give you all the details that you normally see in an article. Which I think those details are important because you've got to know the... Reasons as to why something happens. But Fox Sports is moving into a direction now where they are not using their writers anymore. They're using videos to tell a story. And you're going to see more of this because, like I said on Facebook, if you look at CNN, New York Times, other media outlets, they are doing this with their news stories. Uh, For those who follow 610 Sports Radio on social media, you have definitely seen 610 uh, promote their website far more than they ever did. I remember working at 610, social media was a big deal, and they always wanted to post articles up there to drive high numbers for social media interactions, which, which 610 does a fantastic job of. But 610, they would post a link to... The Kansas City Stars website, or NFL.com, or ESPN. They don't do that anymore, if you've noticed. Six Sense Sports Radio is now doing what a lot of websites should do now. Some don't do it. Six Sense Sports Radio, will, if, it, if it's big news and if it affects Kansas City, they'll write about it on their own website and source the link, put a, put a, put a link to that right source in that article. Because they want... People to be going to their website rather than linking the Kansas City Stars website or ESPN.com. So 610 Sports Radio is moving in the right direction and using this the way that they should. Uh, I remember interning for uh, 810 Sports and or Sports Radio 810 I should say. Uh, I don't know what they have planned. Uh, I mean their social media is not as good and I think the Royals helped out in this and in which 610 got more uh, likes and followers than A-10 when the Royals went to the World Series in 2014. And again, being on the being the home the flagship station for the Royals that helps for sure. Uh but even then, uh, you don't see A-10 promoting their website a whole lot. Yes, they have sports blogs that they promote occasionally, but they're not very consistent with that. And Fox Sports by the way, they did have Two regional writers for all 30 Major League Baseball teams. And they let those guys go, I think in 2015. Midway through 2015 during baseball season. They let all 60 regional writers go. And one of them actually went to 810 
to write for them, to write for sports blogs. And I don't think he ended up staying a whole lot longer there because A10 didn't really know what to do. They weren't really committed to uh, their online presence, their website presence, and they didn't have any interest. And you see 610 doing it the way they're doing it, and they've got a lot of people visiting their website. There's a reason for that. So unfortunately, we are moving in a direction now where you are seeing fewer sports writers out there. Fox Sports, they started this, and I think it's going to carry over through ESPN and some regional and local writing outlets. Because look, Fox Sports seems to be doing just fine with the way that they have their articles. Or not article, videos I should say, which is has replaced the articles. So Fox Sports is proving that they can tell a story without a full 300 or 400, 500 word article. Which it depends from outlet to outlet. It varies what the requirements are. But Fox Sports has shied away from that and have done a good job with their video stories so far. So it kind of makes you wonder if, if, I mean, the writing industry, especially for sports, because this is really the first, Fox Sports is really the first to really do this. What does this mean for other media outlets and how they want to do things? Because if you look at Twitter, there is a place on Twitter where you can check out what is the top story there. And Twitter will show you a couple of tweets as as to what the big story is, a couple of the details, plus some of the reactions. They don't have a long article explaining what happened. And I think that's a quick, easy, and quite honestly, a fun way to receive news, to consume media. So this is kind of interesting. Let's look at the NFL, for example. I have DirecTV. So on my on my phone and on my iPad, I can download the DirecTV app, plus I can download NFL Sunday tickets. So if I want to watch a Chiefs game, I'll watch a Chiefs game and on, on my iPad and on my phone. If, I'm, if I really want to watch a bunch of other games, I can follow multiple games, one on my TV, one on my phone, one on my, uh, on my iPad, because I have the Sunday night, uh, the NFL Sunday ticket app. So we've got... A lot of different ways and just how media is changing and how we are consuming media and how everything that in which we learn about information, how that's changing as well. I don't know what the future holds for radio hosts and television anchors and reporters, but as far as writers go, uh, they're starting to join the dinosaurs in the in this extinct world because... There are new ways that have been discovered, and with technology changing, there are new and better ways to tell a story. So I'll quickly, I'll just say this, if I'm on Fox Sports' website, the first thing I see, there's a soccer story, there, Auburn takes number 20, and Joel Klatt's preseason poll, instead of the writer's sharing their rankings and said they want to promote their writers or or pardon me they want to promote the talent on tv so it might be Colin Cowherd's top five NFL quarterbacks going into the 2017 season or Jason Whitlock's top five MVP candidates for baseball they want to promote their their talent their tv guys 
rather than their writers. So a lot, and again, it's going to be all video. It's not like Jason Whitlock's going to be writing for Fox Sports. Uh, it'll simply be him standing in front of a camera and giving his top five MVP candidates, or Colin Coward may give his top five NFL QBs. That is the direction they're going in. It kind of makes you wonder if more outlets will look at this and say, hmm, Fox Sports is succeeding with this. Oh, they let go of a lot of writers, so they're not paying as much for this production. All they have is their TV guys and a few people in their video production staff who put these videos together. They can save a lot of money doing this, and it drives up the number of viewers they have for these stories. Which again is unfortunate because I think writing is a very special thing and I think it takes a lot of talent to be a writer. Uh, But it makes you wonder. I mean, SB Nation, Bleacher Report, Fansided, what direction will they go in with stuff like this? Bleacher Report's been doing this for a while now where they've had video stories as well. But you haven't seen much of this with ESPN. So again, the future of media, especially in sports... It's changing drastically, and this summer was a big wake-up call that, look, you don't need to have a lot of these talent guys such as radio hosts, writers, and uh, TV anchors to tell a story. There are other ways to go about it. Now listen, you still got to have your TV networks such as ESPN, ESPN2, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, ESPNU. You're still going to have those. So you've got to have play-by-play commentators, you've got to have television anchors, but you're just not going to have as many of those. The number of those jobs that will be available, it'll go down. It'll go down quite a bit in the next five years. And again, for those who want to be in this industry, this is in in no ways to attempt you to shy away from this. What I'm saying is, you've got to be really damn good at your job. Otherwise, There's not going to be a large pool and there are going to be a lot of candidates that apply for these positions, but very few are going to be accepted for these jobs. This is something that I've been wanting to bring up here on the podcast because again, I love talking about media. I love talking about social media and the topics that come from that and how much it's changed because that's a huge part of our lives. Uh, And I know people, some people, especially older folks who didn't grow up with social media, they have a strong opinion against it, but look, Whether you like it or not, you are all a part of it. And we are consuming our news more and more through Twitter. Ask yourself this and answer it in your head. How many times have you received breaking news through Twitter or Facebook? Maybe you don't even hear it from an an NFL writer first. Maybe you hear it from your friend who posted on Facebook because you just happened to read his post or his tweet first. Then you end up seeing the media's tweet about it. It's it happens more and more. So this in nowadays, I mean, rather than waking up at seven a.m. to read the paper, we're we're getting our information right when it happens, essentially. So this is a topic I really wanted to talk about and get you guys kind of thinking about this because think about this: in five years, how are we going to watch Chiefs games? Is, is it going to be different than how we're seeing it now? Do we get multi-view? NFL Sunday tickets are pretty big. That's a pretty big change in how we watch football games. You can watch eight at once. Or you can watch them individually on, on bigger screens. 
And I guarantee you, five, ten years, they're going to come up with something else in terms of websites and in terms of how we watch sports. It's going to change. It's only going to change. That'll do it for this episode of the Chiefs on Podcast. I am Farzim Vasugi, and thank you guys for downloading and listening to this podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Let a friend know about it. Give my Facebook page a like, Farzine, or facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. And you guys can email me, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We'll be back later in this weekend, either a Saturday or a Sunday. That'll be the next time you can hear the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'll try to get it out on Sunday morning. Sunday morning, you can expect to hear the Chiefs Zone Podcast, maybe Saturday night. Depends on how quickly the upload goes through. Uh, the Chiefs will be playing on KCTV 5, 8 o'clock against the 49ers. Chiefs football coming back to your life. That's what I like to hear. And by the way, I've done this twice. I did this after the playoff loss to the Steelers, and I did this after the Chiefs drafted Mahomes. Uh, I've done the Facebook Live, and I, I didn't even know what to expect. I didn't think I'd have a lot of people tuning in, but a lot of people came in for those Facebook Live videos. Uh, so I think I'll do it on halftime. And I'll also do it after the game. So I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live during halftime of the Chiefs game. And then I'll do another Facebook Live after the Chiefs game for a few minutes. We'll see how that goes. If it's pretty good, we'll continue to do it the rest of the preseason. And then we'll do it in the regular season as well. So if you're not on the Facebook page, get one and like my page. Facebook.com slash Farzim Vesugian. I'm Farzim Vesugian. Again, thanks for listening to the podcast. Enjoy the game this weekend. Chiefs football back. Talk to you guys on Sunday.